Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to the Roto World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short, and I'm joined here once again by Drew Silva. Drew, are you ready for opening day? It's here, man. It's finally yes. here. Some real baseball. Can't uh, wait. We had our first. We had our first rain out already. Yeah, I uh, saw that. The Nationals and Reds called their game off on on Wednesday morning, basically. Right. Because uh, the forecast looks really bad in Cincinnati, and the Reds like to have a big parade and stuff for opening day. It's right. one of the oldest opening days. I think it is the oldest opening day mm-hmm. um, in the majors, and so th- they're just going to push everything back to Friday, which is probably makes sense. Sure. Yeah. I mean, we usually record this show on Thursdays. Uh, we're recording it a day early because we're basically all hands on deck opening day uh, on mm-hmm. Thursday. There's games going on all day, so. It's kind of a little different as far as sort of behind the scenes at Roto World. So uh, better for us to do this now and also get into some of the last minute roster moves, closer decisions and, and injuries leading up to opening day. There's a lot of late breaking news uh, that we can get into here. But before we do that, just a reminder, subscribe to this show wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, etc. If you don't mind, please consider rating and reviewing the show as well. It'll help spread word about the show, grow the audience. So if you like the show, please let people know about it. All right, so we're going to start off here with some of these last-minute roster decisions, as I said before, focusing first on closers. And I'll begin with the diamond ba- the Diamondbacks. I think many fantasy owners were rooting for Archie Bradley to get the opportunity after the amazing year he had last year. But the Diamondbacks made it official Tuesday that Brad Boxberger will get the first crack at the job. Basically, the Diamondbacks feel that they don't want to take Bradley out of a role that he thrived in last year. Bradley made the full-time move to the bullpen in 2017 and posted a dominant 173 ERA, 79 to 21 strikeout-to-walk ratio in 73 innings. Um, Fernando Rodney was the closer, so Bradley was pitching in those high-leverage spots in the seventh and eighth innings, um, sometimes more than one inning. So, you know, I think the logic is sound in kind of keeping him in that role that he thrived in those high leverage spots, I'm into it. Um, I still thought maybe the Dimebacks would go with uh, Yoshihisa Hirano, who they signed during the offseason. They gave him a two-year, $6 million contract. But Boxberger, of course, no stranger to the ninth inning, had an AL best 41 saves in 2015 with the Rays. So um, he's had injuries in, in recent years, but he was really good last September, kind of sneaky good. Um, made it through spring training unscathed. So um, he could have some, you know, sneaky value. He's had that uh, production in the past, so certainly capable of being a valuable option as a fantasy closer. But uh, I still think Bradley can be worth owning in a lot of mixed leagues, even if he isn't getting saves. You know, kind of think in that Andrew Miller mold. So I wouldn't give up hope on him at all. 
Yeah, definitely a gut punch if you um, you already spent a draft pick on Bradley. But and and I don't know. I mean, I feel like we say that a lot that like non closers can have value. Um, I like never carry any of those guys. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, he is like a, he is a high strikeout guy. It wasn't super high last year, but you feel like he can do better. I mean, the stuff is there for him to to be a hundred strikeout type setup man, especially if he's going to go multi innings. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and if the ERA is going to be under two, obviously, you know, there's value in a, in a dude like that. I just, I don't know with Boxberger. I mean, I, I didn't even like see him drafted in any of the, in the drafts that I've done. Yeah. Um, I do have another one on Wednesday night. Uh, so I, I'm sure he'll go then, but he could be out there on the waiver wire, even if you're, you're just tuning into this podcast on Thursday. Yeah. I did a slow draft uh, or one that's been going on basically for the past two weeks. I guessed on Hirano over the weekend, and Boxberger was still available when the news came down yesterday. So I was kicking myself, and of course, the next person in line just immediately picked him up, uh, drafted him late, and I'm stuck with Hirano now. So I'm just a little, little frustrated, I guess. <laughs> um, the other the c- closer situation, well, there's a few of them, but um, Mark Belanson, there's like definitely something seriously going on here. Um, it's, it's a little weird to talk about the situation because we don't have much more information. And I think once the Cardinal or once the Giants set their roster, either on Wednesday night or Thursday morning, there will be more information on him, but he was scratched from a a scheduled appearance in an exhibition game Tuesday night against the A's because of, um, what was just termed as him feeling something in his surgically repaired right arm underwent a procedure last September to release pressure on the pronator muscle in his forearm. Um, after struggling in 32 appearances uh, when he was healthy, he acknowledged there was something going on after his Cactus League debut. We talked about it in you know four podcasts ago, and, and apparently it just it just hasn't gotten any better. Um, I don't know. I, I I feel like this is just not looking good for him. Um, the, the Giants really aren't revealing whether even even whether he's going to begin the season on the disabled list but I would say that's almost a given um and, and then like as far as who's going to fill in for him you know Sam Dyson did most of the the filling in last year but struggled down the stretch um I don't know if they're going to turn back to him Bochi, I don't know I guess maybe would have some faith in him but you know they acquired Tony Watson um who, who picked up 30 saves during his time in Pittsburgh especially towards the end he was used as a closer a lot Hunter Strickland probably has the most closer like arsenal I'd say in that bullpen good good high strikeout rate uh 2.64 career ERA I bet this is going to be a kind of a committee um until someone emerges or, or maybe Melanson comes back but um, there, there should be more information. Check the Roto World news page on Thursday. We should have a lot more clarity on it. If I had to guess on anyone, I'd probably take Watson. Yeah. Uh, Dyson has had a shaky spring, and you know, you look at the way things ended for him in Texas. Um, I don't know if he's really all that trustworthy. Strickland, it feels like he's had chances in the past to potentially close, and for whatever reason, he's never been Bochy's guy in that role. Um, mm-hmm. So I could see Watson potentially being that guy. Uh, as for Melanson, maybe he's just not ready to, you know, pitch back-to-back days and, and just needs a little more time. I think that's what Giants fans have to hope for. But, man, it's been a rough few days for the Giants. Um, after Madison Bumgarner went down uh, last mm-hmm. Friday, getting hit, uh, breaking the pinky finger on that comebacker, uh, Jeff Samarja out as well. 
I know there was, you know, there was some optimism for the Giants to be kind of a bounce back team, but man, it's not, not looking so good right now. Yeah. And then, um, there's still no real clarity on what the Rangers are going to do at closer. Um, they won't name one guy for the role before their first game. Jeff Bannister said that this week, but Evan Grant of the Dallas Morning News wrote in a Q&A with readers on Wednesday morning that he believes Keone Kella will get the first chance and, in quotes, can seize it from the start and hold it all year. Um, I, I think that does make a lot of sense. Uh, Kella had some shoulder troubles last year, but posted a 2.79 ERA, 0.91 whip, 51 to 17 K to walk ratio in 38 innings when he was healthy. Um, probably has the most closer like profile and arsenal of anyone in the Rangers bullpen. Alex Claudio, who entered the spring as the favorite for saves, is more of a ground ball pitcher, which plays better in, in high leverage situations with runners on base. Kella had an average draft position of 241.5 um, on Yahoo. So that might, might be a guy that's also sitting out there on the waiver wire in some leagues um, because the, the, the Rangers haven't really made anything official and, and probably won't. Um, and are just hoping that one of the guys will run away with it. Yeah, I guess Jake Diekman has been mentioned a little bit, but he's yeah. a lefty. Uh, Tim Tim Lincecum won't be ready until May, and who knows what he'll look like at that time. So the opportunity is certainly there for, for Keller to run away with that job. Um, and as you said, I, I agree. You know, Claudio did a nice job, all things mm-hmm. considered, but uh, certainly you'd like to use him in, in a different, different kind of role. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we've hyped up Keller in the past, I think last year maybe we liked him a lot going into the year. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked to see him uh, get that opportunity. Um, we're going to get into some more news and notes in a second. But if you love fantasy baseball and, and you're listening to this podcast, so I'm assuming that's no accident, uh, well, you need to try our new favorite app. It's called Draft. It's daily fantasy baseball, but not like those other guys. You aren't going to find salary caps, pros or bots filling up games. On Draft, you play live snake drafts with other real people, just like in your season-long league. So. Very similar to the sort of fantasy setups you're familiar with. Here's how it works. Drafts take as little as two minutes and last for just one night. Once you're done drafting, that's it. No trades, no waivers. You just set your lineup and forget it. Really simple stuff. Drafts start every minute so you can join one right now. And the best part is the cash, of course. Drafts start from just $1, so there's really a draft for for everyone and whatever level you're comfortable with. Join us on Draft today. Just search Draft in your app store or go to Draft.com. Multiple ways to get signed up. For a limited time only, all new players get a free entry into a real money draft when you make your first deposit. That's right, play a real money game for free with promo code RW. That's RW for Roto World. And it gets even better. Draft is so sure that you'll love it. They're offering you a money back guarantee up to $100. But you have to use our promo code RW, a real money entry, and a $100 money back guarantee. That's promo code RW to check out Draft for yourself. I'm excited to use it with the season yeah, starting here. Definitely. Me too. I'm going to be make, be in a bunch of drafts uh, tomorrow morning. Absolutely. As, as lineups start coming out. Uh, um, go yeah. ahead. I know you wanted to lead us into some other situations yeah. and notes, so go for it. When the, the Rockies re-signed Carlos Gonzalez earlier this month, it looks like that move might push Ryan McMahon back to AAA Albu- Albuquerque to begin the 2008 season. Uh, with Ian Desmond getting the majority of playing time at first base out of the gate. But Rockies manager Bud Black confirmed Tuesday that McMahon will be on the opening day roster and and play regularly at first base uh, versus right-handed pitchers. McMahon had a great spring. He's a guy we we talk about in like every other podcast. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Um, 
batted 317 with an 887 OPS in the Cactus League, basically forced the Rockies to, to keep him and play him. I mean, they're not going to sit him on the bench. Desmond and Gerardo Parra will, will apparently platoon in left field uh, with Desmond getting some starts at first base versus lefties. But it looks like McMahon will pretty much be the, the primary first baseman in Colorado, uh, even possibly picking up some starts against Southpaws as the season rolls along. Um, assuming he hit, he hits as well as, as he did in the Cactus League and as he did in the upper minors, posted a 355 batting average, 986 OPS, 20 home runs, 80 RBIs, and 11 stolen bases in 119 games last season between AA and AAA. Um, was a really great value in drafts this spring, even towards the end, because it looks like he, he might not be the starter. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the the one thing to keep in mind with the Rockies, they have so many moving pieces. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're a team that has David Dahl and, and Rymel Tapia in the minors. You know what I mean? They they have such depth yeah. in that outfield that if McMahon gets off to a slow start, you know, his spot could become vulnerable vulnerable in a hurry. Ian Desmond could play some first base and just slide right in there. Um, still, obviously, I'm hopeful, you're hopeful that doesn't happen. Uh, I think McMahon should be owned in most leagues at the chance that he runs away with the job. I mean, he's in Colorado. He put up big numbers in the minors. I mean, what else more do you really need to know? <laughs> Basically, go out there and pick him up if he's still available. Yeah, McMahon did play some third base in the minors and this spring, but Nolan Arenado doesn't really take days off, so I don't know if that will matter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I think I even heard something about maybe him getting work at second base. So, I mean, I guess they're willing yeah. to see... Another one of those teams that are that want these kind of multi-position guys, and I think we're going to get in a little more of that later um, with the Phillies. Um, but yeah, I, you know, McMahon hopefully runs away with that first base job. The opportunities there, as you said, I was surprised. You know, after they signed re-signed Cargo, I thought that was his ticket back to AAA. Um, they, but pleasant support, pleasant surprise that he gets to stick around for sure. I got him very last in a in a 16 team draft I did uh, last week, and I mean that that just seems like a pretty good value for what the upside is. I haven't been able to get him in any redraft leagues. Um, I traded for him in a in a dynasty league a couple of years ago, and he's just kind of I basically traded all my veterans, and I've just been collecting prospects. So it's always nice to get one of those guys finally up in the majors with a full time job, and you can imagine being actually in contention again. Uh, so I'm excited to see him up in the majors for sure. But uh, now on to some disappointing news. Um, Greg Bird, a guy who's been another popular breakout pick in fantasy drafts this spring. I've certainly secured a few shares where I can. Uh, but the Yankees announced this week that he'll miss six to eight weeks after undergoing surgery to remove a small broken spur from the right side of his ankle. ESPN's Buster only reported on Tuesday that they ended up removing a coin-sized calcium deposit from his ankle. Uh, I hope you're not eating while listening to this show, but um, jokes aside, it's a brutal blow for Bird, who continues to have like the worst luck possible on the injury front, missed the entire 2016 season with a torn labrum, hurt his ankle toward the end of spring training last year, had a huge spring training, actually had more hype than Aaron Judge coming into last season, um, eventually missed a bunch of time with that ankle injury, played well down the stretch, but uh, now hurt again with that ankle uh, Bird has really tantalizing potential, especially in Yankee Stadium, but he just hasn't been on the field to realize it, unfortunately. Um, this injury brings up all sorts of possibilities for the Yankees, but it appears that they'll go with a combination of Neil Walker and Tyler Austin at first base, at least initially. 
Austin will be at first base on opening day against the left-hander J.A. Happ with the with the Blue Jays. Um, so Walker will play second base. So I guess against lefties, Walker's going to play no matter what, but it'll, he'll be shifting back and forth between first and second base. Um, on the days Walker's at first base, we'll either see Tyler Wade or, or uh, Ronald Torres at second base. And, you know, that could obviously change. Um, Miguel Andahar, they're one of their prospect, top prospects, He's supposed to get time at first base in the minors, so he could be thrown into that mix eventually. And of course, Gleyber Torres, um, you know, could come up and play some second base. So there's really lots of ways the Yankees could play this. Um, I guess you can't rule out a possible reunion with Adam Lind, who's recently get let go from his minor league contract with the Yankees. I think he could be a useful option too, depending on which they want, which way they want to go. Yeah, I saw that Aaron Hicks will bat fifth uh, for the Yankees on opening day. That was probably where Bird was going to bat. That's true, yeah. Um, Hicks, uh, his ADP in Yahoo Leagues was 241.7. Had an 847 OPS, 15 homers, 10 stolen bases in just 88 games last year. If if he bets fifth regularly, um, that's a huge value at basically like the 23rd round. I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, Yeah, I mean – so Brett Gardner leading off opening day, Aaron Judge in the number two spot, Stanton number three, Sanchez number four. Uh, yeah, so those kind of table setters right yeah. in front of Hicks, man, that's that's a prime, nice position. Um, I know there's been a lot of hype about Byron Buxton, Hicks' former teammate. I kind of see them putting up possibly similar numbers. And there was an interesting thing about Buxton today. Uh, he's going to hit eighth on opening day. I know. Which and, not and I not guess, so good from a fantasy yeah. perspective, but I think it just puts in perspective how maybe deep the Twins lineup is. It is deep, and and the, the issue is like, where is he going to climb to? Ideally, he's a leadoff man, but they like Dozier there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, yeah, I don't I don't know, man. That that kind of soured me on Buxton a little bit. But, Agreed. Um, all right, let's get it to another item. Uh, the, the Phillies announced a six-year, $24 million contract extension this week with top infield prospect Scott Kingery, which will allow them to carry him on their opening day roster without any concerns about service time. Um, it's the longest and largest contract ever given to a drafted player who has not yet appeared in a major league game. I think it could prove to be very team-friendly if Kingery becomes the kind of star um, the Phillies and scouts think he can be. It sounds like the Braves tried this with Ronald Acuna before sending him to AAA Gwinnett last week. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a report about a $30 million offer, but that was refuted. But we do know there were some discussions, um, and Acuna is just betting on himself, which is probably the smart move, But um, especially when you're th- that height of a prospect. But, you know, King Reed's pretty much set for life at, at a young age, so you yeah, can't really knock yeah, that. Yeah, you can't never. You can never blame the guys that that take it. It's it's life changing money, and as you said, I mean, yeah, I mean, it'd be nice to bet on yourself, but things can change so fast in this game, mm-hmm. especially if you're a pitcher. Um, that you know, I understand when these players take these kind of deals. Kingery batted four forty one with five home runs and four stolen bases in fifty nine plate appearances this spring in the Grapefruit League. Uh, just a, a really impressive toolsy kind of player who can put up huge fantasy value once he once he finds his footing um, was drafted as a second baseman and that's the position he has the most experience at but the Phillies also got him playing time at shortstop and third base this spring um, he won't necessarily have a dedicated starting job going into the year but new manager Gabe Kapler should be pretty good at mixing and matching around the infield to get 
Kingery something close to everyday playing time. Um, there's also talk of Kingery playing some outfield. Um, so he, he could be a serious multi-position eligibility guy. Um, Cesar Hernandez, the Philly starting second baseman, is a really good player and a, a key high on base percentage guy at the top of the lineup. Um, so I think shortstop and third base might be where Kingery plays the most. Uh, J.P. Crawford, the Philly projected starting shortstop, has somewhat underwhelmed offensively in the upper minors uh, and didn't play very well as a September call-up last year. But he's a big part of the team's long-term plans, still one of the top prospects in baseball. Um, so I think he will play a lot of shortstop Crawford, that is. I think Michael Franco at third base might be in most danger uh, with the arrival of Kingery. Franco has really good raw power, but he's been a source of frustration for the Phillies uh, for a range of different reasons. Had a bad 2017, better just 230 with a 281 on base percentage. So if, if Kingery is going to settle into one spot, um, I think it might be third base, and I don't know what the Phillies will do with Franco, try to trade him, or I don't I don't know. But um, for now, I think Kingery projects to play about four different positions, including maybe some corner outfield. Yeah, Matthew Poliot uh, noted in a strike zone column on Wednesday, which is really great stuff, went in-depth mm-hmm. with uh, really each team uh, in different situations. Uh, he pegged third base and right field as the most likely spots for him. Uh, Michael Franco and, and Nick Williams potentially being vulnerable. Um, Nick Williams actually had a pretty, pretty good rookie season. I think it, it caught me off guard, uh, given his approach in the minors. I didn't think he would succeed right away. I'm skeptical about his ability to repeat it. Um, and maybe the Phillies are too. Uh, I mean, I think as long as Kingery produces, he's going to play. It's just a matter of where it's going to be. Um, but you look at Michael Franco just hasn't progressed as really anyone would hope. Um, he's actually regressed. Um, that I think the clock is ticking for him. Uh, with Kingery, you know, I dig the pop and the speed. Uh, definitely someone who should be added in most formats, but it's, you know, it's one of those situations where on a nightly basis you're going to have to check that lineup card and make sure he's in there. Um, so it could be a complicated situation, but uh, hey, man, I'm excited about Kingery. I didn't see this coming, uh, but I did stash him in a couple of leagues, like deeper mixed leagues on the chance that maybe he'd be up pretty early in the season so this was a definitely a pleasant surprise yeah uh meanwhile the news isn't so good for another top prospect athletics left-hander aj puck who really appeared to be on the verge of making his major league debut unfortunately has been recommended for season-ending tommy john surgery uh puck was shut down with bicep soreness last week and soon began experiencing discomfort in his forearm which is always an ominous sign uh, the initial diagnosis was in Arizona, but he got a second opinion from Dr. James Andrews, who recommended the surgery. Uh, Puck was the sixth overall pick out of the 2016 draft out of the University of Florida. Uh, had a 3.03 ERA over 10 starts in low A that year. Uh, last year had a 4.03 ERA in 24 starts and three relief appearances between high A and double A, but don't get too caught up in the ERA. I mean, he is a monster. Uh, misses a ton of bats, had 184 strikeouts in 125 innings last year, which is crazy. Uh, mid-90s fastball, curveball, improved changeup. He's a big guy. Um, you know, command a work in progress, but all the ingredients of a, of a top fantasy starter, potentially, uh, if not a number one, you know, a number two, someone you could really depend on. Um, but now it appears we'll have to wait at least another year uh, for him to make an impact. And uh, that's really too bad because I, you know, I think we talked about this in, the, in you know, these uh, rankings episodes that we did. We we kind of like the A's as being a sneaky team, um, so it's definitely a blow for them. 
Yeah, I mean, more their lineup, honestly, than their rotation, especially with this news. Um, you know, as I wrote my power rankings, like the A's calling card has usually been fairly steady starting pitching. Um, and, and I just, they might be bad in that department this year. I and, agree. Agreed. Another thing about the A's, um, they sent down Dustin Fowler today. Yeah. Um, Fowler came over in the Sunny Gray deal with the Yankees last summer, you know, tore up his knee. It was an ugly injury in his major league debut, but uh, back to full health now. Didn't really have a great spring. Um, so Boog Powell will get the first crack at the starting center field job. Powell, not really a mixed league worthy guy. Um, and I think we'll see Fowler before long. Um, you know, useful kind of across the board contributor. Um, you know, we'll see how that knee bounces back, but someone can, who can definitely help in steals. Uh, obviously the more exciting long-term option. Um, you know, I've, I've seen him be drafted in some deeper mixed leagues. He can be dropped. Um, but don't give up hope, hope on him entirely. I think we'll see him sometime this summer, maybe even sooner than you think. Uh, the, the Cardinals made a surprising announcement on Tuesday that pitching prospect Jordan Hicks, who hasn't appeared in, in an official game above high A ball, will be on the opening day roster, potentially even as a late-inning relief guy. Um, Luke Gregerson's oblique injury seemingly cleared the way for this, though it sounds like the Cardinals might have done it anyway. They were really impressed by what they saw from Hicks this spring. Um, he was a third-round pick in 2015 out of out of a high school in Texas. Owns a 2.82 career ERA in the minors. Struck out 95 batters in 105 innings last year between Low A Peoria and High A Palm Beach. I don't think he's going to be an immediate candidate for saves, but the Cardinals have not named a closer, um, and I guess don't have any plans to do so. I guess so. I guess it's a possibility um, that that Hicks does eventually move into that role. Uh, Gregerson was placed on the disabled list Wednesday. Dominic Leone is probably still the favorite to me to get saves in St. Louis with, with Tyler Lyons probably next in line, but Hicks might be fourth. Um, throws high velocity. Um, they, they've praised his demeanor. Um, just a guy that, that looks ready, even though he, he hasn't really pitched in the upper minors at all. I know you wanted to get to your power rankings, but any other notes before the, that? Yeah, uh, Luke Weaver, another Cardinals note, of course. Um, <laughs> Luke Luke Weaver closed out his spring with three scoreless innings in, in an exhibition start Tuesday night against the Blue Jays in Montreal. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. actually ended that game with a walk-off home that run. That was awesome. Yeah, and his Storybook. dad's old, yeah. Yeah, old stomping grounds at Olympic Stadium. That was just that was really, really cool. Um, Vladdy Jr. is somebody we'll, we'll be getting hyped up uh, about sure th- this, yeah. this time next year probably. Um, yep. Only 19 years old, so I, I would assume he'd spend this full year in the minors. Um, as for Luke Weaver, he finished the spring with a 0.55 ERA, 0.67 whip, and 19 strikeouts in 16 or third innings. Uh, total breakout candidate at age 24. Um, we've talked him up a bunch on this podcast. We talked about him in the starting pitching rankings. He was kind of a value in the mock drafts I did in February and early March, but I think the awareness has climbed way up throughout throughout this month, um, especially the last few weeks. Um, like I said, I have my final draft tonight. It's an auction, so I'm interested to see what price he goes for. I'll definitely be involved in the bidding. Yeah. Do you think uh, Flaherty is worth uh, picking up in mixed leagues? I love his stuff, but you know Adam Wainwright. He's filling in for Adam Wainwright, and they say that Wainwright's hamstring injury is minor. So I wonder if it'll only be like a turn, and then or maybe two. Hmm. Um, so 
I might stream him if if he's up for something like three starts and, and the matchup is right. But um, in a standard mixed league, I think I would just probably wait to use him until a, a rotation spot actually opens up that Flaherty can call his own. Here, okay. Uh, so yeah, your your power rankings. You you came out with your first uh, yeah. column. Uh, the other day, uh, no real surprises at the top, but but feel free. Yeah, I mean, should I just list them? I, I mean, number one, Astros. Number two, Yankees. Number three, Nationals. Number four, Cubs. Five, Dodgers. Six, Indians. Seven, Red Sox. I think that's like we could all agree that that's the, the top tier. Sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, on um, that. I, I was thinking about putting the Cubs second. I, re- I mean, I really like that team a whole lot. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of the, those are interchangeable. The Dodgers maybe deserve to be second because they're the defending NL champions, but they didn't make any significant additions this offseason. Um, so I, I don't know. And, I, and I'm a little bit worried about their starting rotation, though. You know, they have options. Walker Bueller is going to be up eventually. Um, but I'm worried about like Rich Hill and Alex Wood, kind of. And Hyunjin Ryu has not been good this spring. Kenta Maeda, like, there's just a lot of question marks, and and even yeah. Kershaw with the back injury over the past couple sure. of seasons. I mean, so yeah, I mean, I agree. I think that rotation at least carries some question marks. But they're the kind of team with such a, a deep farm system that if they need a starter during the season, you know, they could go pluck someone. I think. Um, yeah. So they'll probably be okay. The Yankees are my World Series pick this year, uh, so I know it's super trendy, but um, I really like that team. Even without Bird, I think they're going to be fine. They're they're going to survive the Bird thing yeah. just fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes, I, I mean, Miguel Andujar at first base sounds awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, I mean, they're certainly I, trying it. So, as I was writing up um, the Astros, did you know that Mike Fires led them in innings pitched during the regular season last year? Uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> which I is just crazy. That. But yeah, I, I guess know. that makes sense because like McCullers, you know, didn't throw a ton of innings. Uh, yeah. McHugh was hurt for a while. They got Verlander in like August, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, so it's yeah, a sneaky a one. Full, yeah, a full year of Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole via trade this winter from the Pirates, and hopefully McCullers can stay healthy. Charlie Morton is someone I'm really excited about. Yeah, he's been um, a monster this spring. Yeah, so I mean the Astros are going to be amazing. Yeah, um, no debate. <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Indians could climb. Um, you know, they, they've got everything you need to, to to be like a top three team. The Red Sox, if David Price is healthy and pitching like he has in the past, um, they're definitely a climber too. Yeah, and then yeah, I mean that there's a drop off. Then I, I I rank the the Cardinals eighth, the Brewers ninth, the Diamondbacks tenth. Rockies 11, Twins 12, Angels 13, Mets 14, Mariners 15, and then I think there's kind of another drop-off after that. Yeah, it's it's a weird year where it almost feels like half of the league is sort of in that. I wouldn't characterize them all as tanking, um, but not overtly trying to contend. Do you know what I mean? Or they're sort of like in between their rebuild cycle, basically. Well, it is bad to be like in the middle. You yeah, know, it, you either want to be contending or you want to be cutting payroll and loading up on prospects. Right, um, which, which is which why is, it's like confusing to see like where the Orioles are. Yeah, um, and I think yeah, the Blue Jays might be in there, but th- that roster is pretty good as it is right now. Yeah, I think they could. I think the Blue Jays could be sneaky good this year. 
the Orioles are confusing to me to give that contract to Alex Wood or not Alex, Alex Cobb. Alex yeah. Cobb. I mean, like, yeah, they certainly needed a starter, but I don't know if it's going to be the thing that pushes them over the top. Uh, I think more more likely is that come July we'll be talking about are they going to trade Manny Machado, Zach Britton, Adam Jones, etc. I had the Phillies 17th. Um, I, I like what they did this winter. It's it's cool that they jumped um, from rebuilding to spending. And, and I think Carlos Santana is a nice addition to help out Reese Hoskins and you know, Jake Arrieta. I, I think the first year of that deal will be good. Um, and, and the Kingery, them making that extension with him was really great for them. If you're looking um, for any team yeah. to be this year's twins, it's the Phillies. Yeah. That's, the more I think about it, that's the logical one that I think could surprise some people. Yeah, Arietta and Nola at the top of the rotation is is awesome. You know, Nick 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 Pavetta maybe could make the leap. Um, I've I've read a lot about people hyping him up, and I, I think the stuff is there, um, but he's just been knocked around so much that it's hard to hard when to buy you, into. When you watch him and see how many bats he misses, it's confusing to see just how hard he was hit around last year. I think yeah. I I put out a tweet the other night saying basically right-handed hitters hit like. Nolan Arenado off him yeah, last season, yeah. which is like crazy when you see the kind of stuff that he has. But you know, I think he has kind of the pieces to put it together. Uh, so an intriguing guy if you want to take a chance on a deeper, you know, a deeper fantasy league. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm into the Phillies this year. Um, and then the tier after that is like was so hard to rank. I almost just threw the teams at a wall. I mean, 18 Rangers, 19. The Rays, 20 Orioles, 21 Giants, 22 Braves, 23 Athletics, 24 Pirates. Like all those teams are are kind of similar in, in the way that it's just like they have some stuff, but I can't just can't see them competing in the division or, or making a realistic run at a wild card because there's just so many holes. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel bad for Pirates fans that yeah. their window, which looked like something that was sustainable over the long term now is is closed and they have to kind of create a new window with some younger players i mean hopefully we see you know austin meadows finally stay healthy and maybe come up at some point this year and be an impact guy but um you know josh bell had a had a good rookie season last year kind of under the radar i think he's a really nice piece for them um, and, you know, there's still hope for Gregory Polanco to come back and have a nice bounce back year. I'm certainly hoping for that uh, from a fantasy per- fantasy perspective. Joe Musgrove, who they got in the Garrett Cole deal, I think we like him. Had a little mm-hmm. shoulder issue during spring training, but uh, he's, I, I, to my knowledge, he should be fine to start the season. I, he's someone we like a lot. So there's some useful pieces there in Pittsburgh. Colin Moran is going to play third base there. Um, so I'm, they're a team I'm going to be watching this year. Polanco, Marte, Corey Dickerson is a pretty good outfield for a team that's probably not going to be very good overall. Um, the Rays, uh, they just lost – I mean, they were going to go with a four-man rotation this year, but they just lost Nate Eovaldi, uh, who was supposed to be their number three starter. He's, he needs another elbow surgery. He's already had two Tommy John sur- surgeries in his career. This will be a arthroscopic procedure, so I don't know what – they might they might not be very good. I like Blake Snell and Jake Faria as as kind of fantasy breakout candidates. Um, and of course, Chris Archer with the strikeouts is impressive. Um, but I don't. They're probably not going to be any good. The three Giants, man rotation. <laughs> yeah, three man rotation. Um, 
I mean, I mean, like the other AL East teams are just going to beat up on them. But yeah, the, the Giants we talked about, Bumgarner and Samarja. Bumgarner's probably out until you know mid-May. Samarja probably misses all of April, or at least most of April. Ty Black is their uh, opening day starter against the Dodgers. If you're a betting person, I would make a. There's like uh, I have some buddies going to Vegas for a bachelor party this this weekend. They're getting there tomorrow, and I was like. I think you should just parlay a bunch of the opening, the heavy opening day favorites, because there are a lot of uneven matchups. Yeah. Um, for it being opening day, like I guess Nationals and Reds got canceled, but that would have been Scherzer versus Homer Bailey. Um, you've got the Cubs versus Jose Urania. Yeah, that was uh, my pick. The Marlins. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah, if you're a betting man, I, w- I would make like a five game parlay for opening day. Um, <laughs> And then the, just to finish off the power rankings, 25 White Sox, 26 Royals, 27 Tigers, 28 Padres, 29 Reds, and then 30 the Marlins. Mm-hmm. Some people took issue with my Padres at 28. but I, I think it's because they have like all these exciting you know, yeah. pieces for the long term. But how much we see of them this year, like probably unlikely we see Fernando Tatis Jr. this year. I guess it's possible. Um, but... Yeah, I mean, exciting future. I'm not the rotation. I'm not thrilled with. Um, no, Denelson Lamette is is yeah. out for a while. Um, he's someone that I, that I liked, or at least was intrigued by. Um, so yeah, I think the the pitching is going to hold them back. I think the lineup's going to get a lot better over the next year. Um, so they're an exciting team, but as for 2018 contention or impact, probably not really there. Um, one thing about the Marlins, I, I saw something last night. I don't know if this was like a glitch or something, or they're actually doing this. Uh, there was a home run from Lewis Brinson in the exhibition game, and the home run sculpture did not go off, which is a tragedy <laughs> to me, honestly. Jeter didn't pay the power bill? <laughs> I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't. But, man, that's that's really sad, you know? that's, that's... I, I don't I don't care about the home run sculpture. I think it's... <laughs> People love it on Twitter, but I think it's just—I think it's really stupid. I think we've been over this, but I—I I mean, <laughs> okay. if there's anything for those people to see, you know, that actually come to the game, that's an exciting thing. Um, I, people don't go to those games, DJ. I yeah, I guess we'll see. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it'll be as silent as like a, a library this year. If you want to go read a book, uh, go to go to Marlins Park. So they they set a record attendance for their spring games this year, but. I think it's because they share a complex with the Cardinals. <laughs> okay. Had to get that in at the end. Yeah. Um, so, Drew, yes, you uh, teased your, your weekly power rankings. Uh, we're going to have interesting content daily at rotoworld.com. I have my weekly waiver-wired column, which comes out on Thursdays. First one will be next week. Uh, we have saves and steals on Wednesdays. Matthew Poliat's strike zone also comes out Wednesdays, and he touches on all sorts of situations around the league. He also handles our monthly positional rankings. We have our week ahead previewing the next week's starting pitchers. That comes out on Fridays. Ryan Boyer's hot hitter rundown uh, comes out on Mondays. Look for that in week two of the season. We have tons of new exciting stuff as well. I don't want to spoil it all just yet, but uh, content daily on rotoworld.com. Check it out. Of course, our uh, constantly updated player news page. We'll have blurbs on injuries, transactions, uh, results of games. So everything you could need to, to keep your fantasy team in order, uh, you'll be all set. And we're going to get started tomorrow all day. Uh, it should be a lot of fun, exhausting, but opening day is always awesome. Word up. Can't wait. Yeah. Any, <laughs> anything else before we, we go? 
Now I, I need to get some sleep before before tomorrow. <laughs> I hear you. Okay, so that'll do it for this week. Uh, I hope you enjoy opening day, however you spend it. Take a sick day, maybe something like that. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. Drew is at Drew Silve. And we'll see you next week. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.